Alright, this is Leonard Cho Speaks. This is a podcast to give my friend Leonard Cho, the, one of the founding members of the <laughs> Al Leong Fan Club, the ALFC, a forum to pretty much talk about his philosophy and how everything in his mind and how in the world it should work regarding comic books and general geekdom. I've been hoarding him for 25, 30 years and decided the world needs to know about this guy because he's that dude that people go, wait, you know, 15 years after he dies, so probably in about 120 years from now, everyone will be like, who, we're finding these writings and who was this guy? And there's 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 little snippets here and there. And, we're uncovering um, this Facebook feed with, you know... <laughs> A lot of just a lot of crap, but every once in a while, there's this nugget of prescient wisdom. Like, how did this person know what's going to happen in the future? <laughs> so basically, we met um, when we were twelve, thirteen, something like that. Something like that. Jun- uh, junior high. Definitely junior high. junior high. I forgot how in the hell we started hanging out. I really don't uh, remember. We were we were the geeks. Yeah, something had, there was, I mean, there obviously had to be a kickoff event. Something had to have happened that drew us together. And what that was, I, fuck if I can remember. I I mean, I remember not, I mean, not recess, because we were, you know, in junior high, we didn't do recess anymore. But like, you know, after lunch, there would be like that free period outside. And so other kids would be running and exerting themselves. And and, uh, I ran all the time. I was a caddy, and any chance I could get to not move, I appreciated. Yeah. Whereas I was just lazy. So well, it's you know, but you were contemplating, you were thinking, <laughs> you were plotting, um, and it was because where we grew up, we grew up in a uh, town, a village. Actually, I remember you saying that, dude. We live in a village. It's like we do. The village of Forest Park. Yes. And have, have you seen the more recent like artwork? About like the the town logo, with the little uh, the bench and the and the street light on it because they've redirect they redecorated a lot of the corners. Oh, and it's uh, uh oh god, what is it? Uh, big city access, small town charm. Yeah, it, I I was online and I saw something about that. Like, we're this little town, but really you can get right to the city. Well, yeah, that means there's still like problems on the north side. <laughs> Every once in a while, into this plains river, they still find that floater. But we grew up in the south side of town. Um, it was nine. It was three blocks by three blocks. Nine blocks is all it was. When if you get south of Roosevelt Road, Roosevelt and Harlem, and um, we had cemetery. We just old. We had like three cemeteries, I think, around us. Two. Uh, well, Wal- there was Waldheim, and then. And then other one, and, and then, then that the thing over there. So yeah. we where we grew up. Um, oh, you just, did you book. text me? Yes, I did. Of course you did. Oh, okay. Um, oh, you can call me Ken. I don't care. Cool. Yeah, we know this is a real name thing. I've got some where it's you know okay. Let's try. It. Real booze is one where don't say our last names. First thing Jay does, and this is Ken Lanius. I'm like, okay, I guess we're not doing that. Um, every heist, he's got to start calling my name. In time, so we grew up around. Uh, there were more. There's uh, the population of Forest Park, Illinois, is about 300. I've looked this up recently. It's 330,000. 300,000 of them are dead. Yes, we're in the Guinness Book. 
we uh, I for we having are. more more dead people than live people. I believe it. So we would take shortcuts through everywhere. You wanted to go to the mall, shortcut through the cemetery. You want to go over to get some ice cream at the polar bear, shortcut through the cemetery. Oh my god, dude, the tracks are gone. I was when we were up there. Um, what was it, a year and a half ago? Yeah, something like that. And I kind of noticed that it was. It looked like nothing was going on over there. Yeah, by, the by the uh, tracks. What was it Acme Resin, the name you can trust? Yeah, yeah. From there, like, remember how the tracks went down to uh, Toys R Us and the North Riverside Mall mm-hmm. and all that? Th- those tracks are gone. Wow. The tracks were removed on Cermak. It's it's smooth sailing over the spot that was there. Uh, the tracks have been completely removed. There, there's like foliage or something in its place. Um, oh, cow. So well, now they I can't using it anymore. Yeah, that's probably why. So I but can understand now that. I can't say that those are the tracks where you know Frank Nitty killed himself. Now Frank say, Nitty. Yeah, the um, in the Untouchables. Remember the guy that Kevin Costner chucked off the roof when he bragged about killing Sean Connery? That rat-looking guy. Yeah, the rat face looking. I was guy. a stand-in on a movie with him. No shit. I swear to God, yeah, it was some bullshit independent movie nobody has ever seen, but. He was cool. I bummed a cigarette out, or he bummed. We, regardless, we were smoking together. So they filmed that there. No, 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 no. Oh. In the movie, Kevin Costner chucks him off a roof. In real life, the guy he played committed suicide on the tracks, like right between where Toys R Us and the North Riverside Mall are. No shit. Yeah, he blew his head off right there. Wow. So he did it north of or south of Twenty Second, south of Cermak. Yes. Yes. Oh no shit. What year? Yep. Do you know? Um, it was like the 20s. <laughs> it was like uh, the 20s. I'll you know, give or take five years, so we're talking within the 20s. Prohibition era. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what so year. That was Frank Nitty was his name? Frank Nitty. I think I'm, it was Frank. Pretty sure it was Frank. Totally looking this up. Uh, so yeah, we grew up in kind of, there's a lot of gangster history, obviously. There's a lot of history in the area that we grew up in, but we were always bored. So we would sit in your basement and read comic books and watch movies because nothing is going on here. This sucks. Well, sometimes we would sit in your bedroom and play video games and read comics. And... Yeah, that would happen also. Yeah. I forgot about that. I mostly just remember the times in your basement. And what's funny is in later years, there's a writer named Brian Augustine. He wrote Gotham by Gaslight, which is okay. the first uh Prestige. It was oh. the first Elseworlds book. Yeah. Well, he lives down here in Arizona now, and I met him four or five years ago. Started bullshitting. He lived in Berwyn. He lived four or five blocks from your house. He used to go to Bishop's Chili all the time. Shut the front door. So we would always talk. We would come up with these theories and ideas on these comics, and then next thing you know, six months later, it's in the book, and we're like, I, this place is bugged. This place is bugged. They know what well, we're no, 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 no. See, now we know it's bugged. Back then, it was the time travelers. Because the time travelers came back from the future where we were successful with our ideas, and they published them now. Turns out, no, it was espionage. It was Jeanette Kahn had hired Brian Augustine to, to wire your place. Fuck, man. This is what it was. Um, so, <laughs> so we did that. Um, and then sitting oh, in your basement I, one time, we created the Al Young fan club. Yes. Because nobody knew who he was. It was Endo. Endo. And then it was the guy eating the Snickers bar. And, yep. and, and then next thing you know, you're going, dude, 
you you watched one of those movies and were paying attention to the uh, trailer at the the credits at the end, and you were like, "That guy's name is Al Young," mm-hmm. and then you were like, "That's we're like, holy crap, that's him." Everything we there was a commercial. I remember came over to your house one time. There was some kind of a commercial. And he's like, Al Young was in this commercial. Endo, Endo's yeah. in that movie. Endo's there, and we that's that's where the Al Young fan club came from. And it's so funny because now you, like people on the internet actually know who he is. But there's all these little twenty-year-old, twenty-five-year-old little shits, and it's like, no, we've been doing this like forever. Yeah, buddy. it's like I didn't have Google, okay? <laughs> I didn't have Google. I didn't have fucking streaming. I had to wait years to watch a movie on home video. You know what else Al Leong was in? You know, one of my absolute favorite roles of his. Have you ever seen She's Having a Baby? It's a John Hughes flick. It's with Kevin Bacon. <clears throat> and um, Is it Ali Sheedy? No, it's not Ali Sheedy. God, she's, she's on Downton now. She's Lord Grantham's American wife. McGovern? Melissa McGovern? Hold on, I have... I have the internet. Con- yes, consult the oracle. Let's uh, let's see what it is. Ever since you put it on pause and came back, it's like humming. It's weird. Oh. Should I try it again? Pause it and unpause it? There's I like, did. There's like this hum in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 1988. <clears throat> it is... Johnny, Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth McGovern. Elizabeth McGovern, that's it. Alec Baldwin. <clears throat> I wonder if it's you'll, you'll probably have to scroll down quite a bit to get to Al Leong. He plays like a photographer. He's a photographer like shooting a, a diaper commercial. And there's a baby and stuff and the baby is having problems. And eventually he's just like, I can't work like this. There he, he is. Trash, he starts trashing the set. It's fucking awesome. Al Leong, photographer. <laughs> Holy crap. And, Endo's shooting a baby and losing his shit man it's oh awesome god so and that was the big thing that we always did it was always um doing the spots seeing if we oh wait we found al young's and you know he's in bill and ted's excellent adventure you know we were always finding uh yep. finding different spots for him and that's and that really he was in 24 i'm going through al young's page right now he was in 24 i'm sure i noticed that at the time i've seen every episode yeah um god what a shit ending he was in Godzilla, the 1998 shitty Godzilla. He was a no, Japanese fishing boat crewman, uncredited. I've blocked that movie out. He was in Lethal Weapon 4 uh, by a guy named Wa Sing Kutriad member, uncredited. And I'm like, wait a minute, but they killed him in, in Lethal Weapon 1. Must have been his brother. Dude, it should have been Endo's twin brother trying to get revenge. That should have been the plot of Lethal Weapon 4. I deny the existence of Lethal Weapon 4. It's one of those movies. Yeah. Well, just like uh, with um, Die Hard. Die Hard 3 is all about Hans's brother. Mm-hmm. Come, you know, all of a sudden you killed my brother, prepare to die, you know, kind of a situation. So they could have done the same damn thing. No, that should have been the alternate ending. Like, he defeats... He defeats Simon Gruber, you know, uh, Hans Gruber's brother. And then John McClane, he's all, yeah, yippee motherfucker. He's walking down the street all happy. And before you know it, boom, Endo's twin brother shows up and just caps him in the back of the head. But now you're mixing two movies. You're mixing Die Hard well, not and Endo, but, but he was, you know, okay, Snickers bar guy. is. I, I don't right. think he has a name in Die Hard. I don't, think, I don't know if he does. I'm kind of scrolling here. But I'm saying in Lethal Weapon, when he kills Endo, 
then they do like another lethal weapon and it's all about like Endo's brother yeah finding out you know obsessed with the fact that well now that he's older I don't know if you get the same actor or somebody else but still obsessed with the fact that you know my my brother my father whoever and it has consumed his life to find out what happened to him and he starts piecing everything together and he leads he comes right down to one man Martin fucking Riggs <laughs> and eventually Riggs tells him yeah I broke his neck with my legs while muttering all kinds of obscene <laughs> things at him seriously watch that with the volume cranked it's the most what? amusing shit you'll ever the hear the cracking noise <laughs> no the, what, the shit that is coming out of Mel Gibson's mouth it's like you fucking rat dick son of a bitch <laughs> I, I, I can't remember it verbatim but rat dick is in there somewhere my god it's the same old gi- bino jackrabbit son of a bitch who shot what's his face Hunsaker. Hunsaker. there you go his name is Uli in Die Hard U-L-I no it wasn't that's what it says Die Hard Oh, Uli. in Die Hard. Wait, no, yeah. I'm crossing him. Yeah, okay. Right. Die Hard. Uli. Got it. And he has a little bio- biography. Uli is part of a terrorist group led by Hans Gruber. And they have to click to see more. Oh, my God. Uli is part of a terrorist group Don Gruber, Nakatomi. They have, like, a whole little fucking thing on him here. Uli is a quiet but efficient terrorist who carries out Hans' orders successfully right up to his death. However, he does manage to find time to steal a chocolate bar and eat it. Fucking wow. awesome. So anyway, that's our, our Al Leong knowledge. While not vast, it's not deep, but I would say it's vast. Like, we spot him in things, but like Uli. Did we know his name was Uli? No. Did no. we know he had a little no. bio? No. So no. I guess the it's going to come... The question is, did you know he played a photographer who was shooting I... a baby commercial? That's the kind of information we bring to people. There that's, you go. That's the I mean, vast. everyone everyone can spot him in a thug role. Everyone uh, can everyone can spot him in you know Big Trouble in Little China. But you know she's having a baby. Not what you'd expect. Not 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 that anybody's ever seen that. I mean, people have seen it. I haven't. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I love that movie. That's one of those movies that was on cable like constantly <laughs> when we were kids. I, I watched that movie like a dozen times. Every time you turn around, it's like, oh fuck, it's this movie again. Yeah, been there. Remember those days. Now we can just choose and pick and choose and whatever the hell we want, whenever we want. Yeah. So here we are. So it's about half. We're about a half hour into this right now. So I want to get to my the big first question, which is probably going to take up the rest of this hour. Might go over. Who fucking knows? But it is. How do the Marvel books compare to the movies, in your opinion? Like, what changes have we seen? Um, what have they made up? What happened? You know what? What's factual? When I say factual, like, <laughs> yeah, what actually happened in the comics? And then you have the whole Ultimates universe versus the real Marvel universe. Then you have the movie universe. Start start from the beginning. Let's start from what was the of the first new Marvel movies. I you know I think is Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man started the MCU. You know, started Marvel Studios. Um, and well, it's funny because. I was a Marvel kid. I grew up reading Marvel comics. That's where I then, got my Marvel from. Then when I, you know, like junior, senior year in high school, I started reading Batman basically because I realized I'm like, wait a minute, Batman is cool? Because I didn't always know that. That wasn't information that I had because I read Marvel comics. Now, so not being to interrupt, but I mean, did I right. start reading Batman before you did? 
very possibly, or we were doing it at the same time. I think I made because it was Death in the Family was going on, and I was like, issue three's on the shelf. We're you know Bloody Robin, and I was like, I'm gonna wait till the storyline ends, and then I'll pick up the next one. Another wonderful decision that I made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was when they had the many. It was a standalone issue, and then the many deaths of the Batman started up, and they had that one issue that was silent, except for one word, and it was Gordon saying, "Get out." I don't know. Wow, if you're I, don't, I don't know that book. Oh wow! Where they they were finding all these people dressed like Batman, dead, and yeah, okay, he was in the morgue, and they fucking he's Batman's laying on a slab. And the mortician, other people are there, and he goes, "Get out!" And everybody left, and he took the mask off. And he—he—we've he, all known back in the day, Gordon always had a suspicion. He knew who Batman. Yeah. He knew. He knew yeah. it was it was Bruce. But well, my favorite is in, you know at the end of year one, you know when when Bruce rescues his infant son and all that, and he walks up and he's like, "You know, I'm practically blind without my glasses." That I always thought was that that was covered. That was him telling Bruce, "I I have no idea who you are." Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I did. I didn't see anything. Didn't see anything. Thank you so much. So, um, so we're sitting here. We're sitting on now. Iron Man. Let's. I'm, I need your perspective on this. The world needs your perspective on Iron Man. <laughs> and when you saw the movie, what was what was your take? Were you like, no, fuck you, that didn't happen that way? Or were you like, yeah, that happened, but it happened? No, that- actually, well, what's funny is you have to go like six months before the movie came out. Or you know, six months to a year when I heard they were casting Robert Downey Jr. I objected. What? I objected. He was perfect. I well, yeah, I know that now. But I objected at the time. I thought, see, because I thought they were going the low road. I didn't think they were embracing this guy's talent. I thought they were trying to exploit, like, his personal struggles with, you know, Tony Stark having gone through Demon in a Bottle and all that. I thought it was, I thought it was, you know, I didn't think they were taking it as seriously as obviously they did. And, And, well, no, go ahead, because I got Uh, the Demon in a Bottle thing. Also, I read Iron Man for years, and the way they draw Iron Man... I mean, they draw everyone in comics, you know, with these huge Adonis bodies. They draw Tony Stark as though he hardly needs a suit of armor. You know, he's like 6'2 and muscular, and Robert Downey Jr. is not even my height, you know. So I'm like, you know, this just doesn't work. And then one night, Dawn and I were watching The Daily Show, and it goes to commercial. But instead of a commercial, it's the green trailer bar, Mm. which... uh, and so I quoted the urban philosopher Scooby-Doo and said, <laughs> and, and then, then the Iron Man trailer starts and all that awesome is just, you know, emanating from the screen and dawns out of the room and she comes back in and I'm like, oh my God, this is cool. And okay, she waits like, there, she waits like a couple minutes for me to calm down. I'm like, okay, honey, you know, all that shit I was talking about, Robert Downey Jr. being cast as Iron Man, that never happened. We don't speak of it again. It doesn't leave this house because this is going to be the best movie ever, and uh, and it and it's still in my top three Marvel movies. Okay, that's, that's you hear it right there from horses. Yeah, Iron. Well, and because when I when I went to see it, what I loved about and it, well, like I said, I grew up reading Marvel comics, so I read all these things back in the day when I was a kid. And what I love is they were really, 
I really saw a lot of the stuff that I read back in the day in that because there was the big armor wars storyline in Iron Man which was when he found out that some of his tech had gotten out and it was being used by you know some of it was used by heroes but some was also used by villains and he's like I can't have that and so he was tracking down and destroying all of his stuff which is one of the times that he and Captain America have, cr- have clashed over the years because there were the there's this superhuman prison called the Vault, and the prison guards of the Vault were called Guardsmen, and they wore suits of armor that incorporated some of Tony Stark's tech without his knowledge. And so he was even nullifying those. Like he had this device he planted on him, and it fried the it fried his circuits, and rendered the suits inoperable. And Cap was all, "Dude, you can't do that. These guys need these suits to do their job. To you know." keep the prisoners housed and Iron Man's like dude I got no choice and so they fought Cap lost because you know he's just a guy and Tony Stark has decided to suit a battle armor and it was one of the times when they clashed in the comics but yeah the but the great thing about the Marvel cinematic universe really throughout is just you know they take the classic stuff they take all the best iterations of those characters so they're for me, they're kind of the new Pixar because they haven't really made a bad movie. I, I almost hate to say yet because... Wait, what about the this, Thor movies? I love the Thor movies. You love Thor. I Well, I love Thor, but I also love those movies just because they're fun, they're entertaining as fuck. Chris Hemsworth is awesome. He fucking is Thor. Yeah, he nailed it. And those movies... And, those films and Chris Hemsworth are kind of analogous to the original Superman, the original couple Superman flicks and Christopher Reeve. It could very easily have been just ridiculous. It could have been completely stupid and not worked at all. And, you know, the Thor movies have the, kind of have the most active comic things going on. They have, you know, more overt comic relief and what have you but that's fantastic because you've still got Chris Hemsworth taking the role seriously and clearly having fun but the the movies they're they're a bit more lighthearted and they're they're not campy but they're fun and they're funny so I got questions regarding some of the things you you meant you were talking about here I'm taking notes because I do that so one of the things we're talking about with Tony Stark um, versus Tony Stark on film and Tony Stark in the comic. Tony Stark in the comic, albeit either Marvel Universe or Ultimates Universe, is something that they don't address in the uh, in the movies, and that's him being a raging alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, he pukes inside of his suit I don't know how many times in the <laughs> Ultimates. You know, he's like, oh, God, I was up all night. I had these Swedish supermodels. And they're like, oh, did Tony puke in his suit again? Well, and then there was a long time where Tony Stark wasn't Iron Man. Jim oh. Rhodes was Iron Man. Like, remember the remember the original uh, Secret Wars? I I don't remember it because I got into comics. You got me into comics years after you'd been in it, so I didn't get into okay. books until about eighty, maybe eighty six, probably eighty seven. Well, anyway, the original Secret Wars crossover comic you know all the marvel universe mm-hmm. heroes they're on battle world they're fighting whatever um but the iron man in that is not tony stark that's jim rhodes in the suit because tony stark was not 
he, you know, he was he, he he had hit rock bottom. He was in a gutter. Wow. So Jim Rhodes took up the mantle, which is why, you know, in Iron Man two, they kind of alluded. Now, who's Jim Rhodes, real quick? Jim Rhodes is Tony Stark's best friend. Oh. He he was originally and rather forgettably played by Terrence Howard, and thank the gods, Marvel traded up for Don Cheadle. Uh, seriously, if I ever win like a serious lotto, like like in the tens of millions, I'm going to contact Don Cheadle's people. I'm going to set up some green screen. He's going to come in. I'm going to pay him to act the Terrence Howard scenes. And then I'll get someone who knows like video editing and stuff like that. Don't look at me. That's CGI shit. I don't do that yet. Okay. Well, anyway, I'll get someone (laughs) to like plaster Don Cheadle onto Terrence Howard's body just so I don't have to see his stupid face or hear his fey little voice trying to be manly and I'll have like a good Jim Rhodes throughout everything. They, anyway, well they, they did that with um I'm gonna say that well yeah. Um when they released Blade Runner on Blu ray, Tony Scott, no, wrong one, Ridley Scott went through and the one scene where the replicant is running through the panes of glass Mm-hmm. He never really liked the way that was shot. He got a hold of her. In real life, she's a dancer, not like a booby-shaking dancer, but like an actual on-stage, real-live production dancer. Body's in great shape. The bitch held up. He goes, I want to reshoot this. Are you up for that? And she's like, yeah. So they reshot that whole sequence. That is awesome. For the Blu-ray. And then get this. Here's how far ahead Ridley Scott thinks. When he did the scan of the negatives, he scanned them in 8K, which is right now we have Ultra HD, which is 4K, 4,000 lines of resolution um, across, I think it's from left to right of the screen. So he scanned it in 8K because at the time when HD was just coming out, 1080p, um, which is the left to right scan, 1,080 lines of resolution. He was like, you know what? Technology is going to do nothing but get better. I'm going to I'm going to future proof this movie. I'm going to scan it in 8K. That is awesome. So, but he went through and grabbed her and did exactly what you were talking about. Went, yeah, this scene kind of sucks. Let me redo it. And I I there's a like a three hour commentary or a making of on I have the five disc collector's edition on Blu-ray. Maybe it's four I have, disc. I have it on DVD. Uh, I hadn't upgraded to Blu-ray. Dawn got me for, got it for me for Christmas, but it's uh, it came in the briefcase, like for the Void Comp test, and it had the little diecast car in there, and the the metal origami unicorn, what have you. So then similar were... thing happened on Return of the Jedi when they filmed the special edition, and they wanted to show actually show you know Ula Jabba's dancing girl, yeah. the green one that gets fed to the Rancor. Who, who they gets a nip, to... There's a nip slip in that scene. Is there? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Hardcore knit. It's a it's a frame by frame situation, um, but they wanted to show a little bit of her in the Rancor's den, and they're like, "Well, can we film this same thing?" She's a dancer. She's in fantastic shape, so she came in and played Ula in this new pickup scene that they shot, and no one's the wiser. You know, it's funny because I've read there's a book called The Evil Dead, excuse me, The Evil Dead Companion, and a lot of the deadites they used in that Army of Darkness very different ways. That's well. <laughs> the Evil Dead Companion. Hi, how you doing? This is my friend. Um, but the Deadites they used in Army of Darkness were all dancers. And they're, Bruce Campbell's like going, yeah, the cool thing about hiring dancers is they're not like actors. They actually show up on time and want to work. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
but and now, they have stamina, so they could do it for. Hours. Yeah, it doesn't. They don't bitch. They don't fucking complain. I lived with a dancer for years and knew a bunch of dancers, and yeah, they just fucking do it. Afterwards, when they get home, the part you don't see is bloody feet, and I'm going, "Oh my god, I think I'm going to die." But then they're up in a couple more hours, like fucking waking people like me up, going, "What are you listening to?" Oh, I'm listening to one of your 120 BPM happy to be hardcores, and jumping around the living room, getting ready to go out and do it again. It's like, oh, let's let me sleep. I have a real job and I hate it. Um, but height, height. Now, something you'd mentioned also was Robert Downey Jr. is shorter than you. Yes. And let's talk about the casting of Wolverine real quick. Yes. Now, Wolverine in the comic, if I remember correctly, reading Marvel Universe comic, those monthly things that came out, mm-hmm. um, Wolverine's five foot three, two hundred and ninety five pounds. Yes. And the reason he's called Wolverine is because Wolverines are very vicious and very, very small, short little they look like teddy bears until they rip your face off. Exactly. Hence that's why he's the name Wolverine. That's why he got Wolverine. Um, where they call him that. So what did you think about them getting in Hugh Jackman? Because Hugh Jackman is like a fucking Adonis for fuck's sake. He is well. What's funny is, you know, he really committed to his body over the course of the years. If you go back and watch the first X Men now, you look at him and you're like, "Oh, dude, you're scrawny. Have you been sick? You know what? Have you been sick with fever? You know, is there something going yeah. on?" But um, the because they know, had somebody else cast, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was originally Du Gray Scott, who was the bad guy in Mission Impossible Two. He's the man who was going to be Wolverine. But while filming Mission Impossible 2, one of the stunts, he hurt his back, and he was still recuperating. And X-Men, they had to go, and so they went with Hugh Jackman, and the rest is history. And it's thank Drew, God. Was it, because Drew, it was Drew Gray Scott? Do Gray. It, Gray. It, spelled like, it spelled like Doug Ray. D-O-U-G-R-A-Y, but he's Scottish. So it's Do Gray Scott. He was in. Uh, I'm looking him up. Oh, here he is! I found him. Yeah, he was in the Hitman movie with Timothy Oliphant. He was. Uh, he played Prince. Char- what was that Drew Barrymore movie? Where oh, she's like forever after, ever after, forever after. Yeah, he's like the Prince Charming in that. Oh, he was in Taken. Taken three, Hemlock Grove, which I haven't seen yet. That's a. Uh, oh, the guy who did Cabin Fever. Series? Yeah, the guy who did Cabin Fever. Yeah, I watched the first episode. It didn't grab me. That's we might have watched two, but I don't. I don't know. It's just, just never went back to it. it wasn't. But that was Eli Roth. Eli Roth Eli did Roth. that, and who we went to his haunted house when it was briefly open in Las Vegas. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, was, and I'm stop- tons of fun. And I'm stopping every five minutes, going, looking at the monsters that are in my face, trying to scream at me, and I'm like. You know what really kicks off this makeup is this lighting and the way they got the thing moving. And the guy's like, you can go that way now. The guy with the chainsaw is like trying to get me to move on. I'm stopping looking at the dead babies and stuff. I'm like, they did a really good job with that. <laughs> I'm the worst person to go through a haunted house with because to me it's yep. like going through a museum. <laughs> I stop yeah. and look at everything. And then, uh, I, I, oh God, back when Dawn and I were courting, we would a- occasionally go to a haunted house. And eventually I stopped because she doesn't enjoy the haunted house. Because the second we start... Because Dawn's a mark at these places. Mm. She's she's the one who... She's a screamer. God love her. God <laughs> love her. But, um, uh, you know, she, so she would basically just, you know, clutch my arm, 
bury her face into the side of my shoulder and we go through and you know i'm enjoying it i'm getting scared and stuff like that and uh uh but she's just she's not saying anything she's just screaming i'm like dude we could we could do this at home i could have someone jump out at you, <laughs> you, you know. surprise so what about captain america and iron man you said have always had a, con- a contentious relationship not always, but they've clashed several times over the years. Well, there with the been... the suits, them using uh, his uh, Tony's technology. Basically, right. Tony is the Lars Ulrich of the Marvel Universe, it sounds like. You're using my <laughs> stuff without paying me. Well, why don't you go after a library? You write a book, and they let everybody and their uncle fucking borrow it. No, but the... Uh... But it, it wasn't that. It was because they were actually... It's not because they didn't pay him. It's because they were using his circuits, you know, and to do harm and so he just got real hardcore but that's what I saw in the first Iron Man movie where he was you know because he was going after his weapons and destroying them so that bad guys could not use them the other weird thing talking about Captain America okay the big three at Marvel Cap Thor Iron Man I objected to each one of those castings and you were wrong I was dead wrong never in my life have i been more wrong never in my life have i been more ecstatically overjoyed to be wrong because chris evans i threw a flag technical foul no no he was the torch you can't tell me that the same guy who was perfect as a human torch is going to be perfect as captain america that can't be no it get well yeah it turns out which version of the human torch was he uh he was in the the um, the, the 20th Century Fox ones, the Jessica Alba cast. Okay, okay, so he yeah. wasn't in the uh, Robert R- Roger Corman fiasco. No. Because no. every Marvel movie sucked before before Iron Man. We got, well, Punisher with Dolph Lundgren, I hold the no, best special place. No, the X-Men movies The X-Men movies are phenomenal. Were yeah, you're right. And, yeah, and... Uh, Spider-Man Amazing was Spider-Man. great. man those were good. But the MCU, the connected universe, is really where it, you know, where it took off, and that's why that's the difference, because Marvel started their own studios, and I guarantee you that uh, Dan Didio, Jim Lee, all the guys at DC would trade their left nut to not be owned by Warner Brothers, and to be able to pull a Marvel and just start their own studio. So you have people who understand these characters bringing the fans films that they want um but we got the characters are spread out all over they're owned by disney uh sony and fox for marvel yes but dc they're all owned by warner brothers yeah so dc cinematically should have a huge advantage when you go to when you go to the movies but they're owned by warner brothers so you've got suits making decisions and I, I heard a rumor that because Jungle Book is doing so good, they're talking about sticking a talking tiger in the Wonder Woman flick. No, I'm not fucking with you. I just gave you Forrest Whitaker eye, and I'm sorry for that. But <laughs> now, have you seen? Have you ever watched an evening with Kevin Smith? He's done several of them, but have you ever seen the first one? Uh, I he, think you showed that to me. I may have. That's where he, he talks. Is about that where he tells the story about uh, John Peters? Yeah, John Peters, <laughs> who clearly has no idea what's going on, and fuck Tim Burton. I'm sorry, but he he has no business doing superhero movies. I, you know what? We were all excited about the Batman movie in 1989, and when I saw it, it didn't take place in our world. It took place in a Batman world. What I liked about Superman back in 1979 was that shit took place in our world. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you could recognize everything around there. It made sense. But when you watched it, when you watched Batman, it was like, nobody fucking has buildings like this anywhere. And does the sun ever come out? I mean, what's going on? So I always that was always a point of contention with me personally. Still a great okay. movie. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Keaton did, holy shit. Oh, his, yeah. his chops came out. You know, he did Clean and Sober, I think, right around at the same time. And that's when everyone was like, this isn't Mr. Mom. What happened? Yeah. So Keaton but, really brought his stuff. Have you seen um what was that the movie that just won best Ox, best uh best film last year? The Keaton uh, Birdman? Was, no, not that one. The one after it, where the Revenant? the just just last season, last Oscar season. Oh, oh the one about the newspaper. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't seen that yet. What was that? Spotlight. 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 I was on the tip of my brain. You've got a little program on your computer. You can I I it's great. It's really it's it deserved to win Best Picture. It was a cool. phenomenal movie. Um, but that's really pretty much I hit all the points I wanted to on this one. When we do this again, I will definitely have more questions because uh, you your opinions are you you made me the geek that I am. <laughs> Sure, is, blame is, me. It is. It's your fault. <laughs> I worked at a comic book store for years. I did all, and there were so many times in my life where we just didn't talk because we just, you know, you were moving around, I was moving around, and we, the internet didn't exist. And uh, there were so many times, so many experiences that I've had dealing with various comic book people and uh, just different different things in the genre that I'm sitting here the whole time going, "Holy shit, Lunch would be freaking out right now if he was here." Mm-hmm. And it's you know it's really cool that we've we've managed to, to hook up again and you, you came down for my fortieth birthday three years ago which was that was my birthday present to myself is I want my best friend to come down here and just fuck around for a week and goddamn we did it and we'll yeah. do it again you know yeah. li- life ain't over and um, I, you know I read the coolest fucking thing somewhere because they talk about how Stan Lee didn't create Spider Man till he was like forty one yeah he was forty years old. Alan Rickman chucked his creative design career. He started to seriously pursue acting when he was like 42 or 43. Dennis Farina was the same way. Yeah, and he got Die Hard. Yeah, that was... Yeah, Rickman and Die Hard. Uh, I can't believe he's dead. God, that God, Rickman... What got him? Did his heart attack him or what happened? No, cancer. He had cancer. Oh, no shit. He was quietly battling cancer for quite some time. And then, God, Prince, God, that is... What was... That was out of the blue. I'm sitting here, and the girl's here, and she's on her computer, and I'm, I'm playing a video game, and she's like, Prince is dead? I'm like, what? That... No, that right there, I blame fucking religion. Because they haven't released everything yet, but he's been in poor health for a while, but some, like, over a decade ago, you know, long time ago, he went Christian scientist. Oh, um, he did. Stopped. I thought he was Jehovah's Witness. Or Jehovah's Witness, that might be it. Uh-huh. But anyway, so he stopped cursing in his music, you know, who cares. But he has needed surgery for his hip for a long time. There, are, If you look, there are pictures of him. He's in a power chair. Like, he's in a scooter because he can't move very well anymore. He walked with a cane and something with his religion, he wouldn't get the surgery that he needed to fix his hip. And that's why the last tour he did was just the very stripped down, you know, it was him at a piano, which I would have loved to fucking see. Oh, but yeah. Around here. But, um, yeah, because he can't move like you used to. And if you're Jehovah's and, Witness, I know you can't, like, give blood or anything like that. So right. I guess surgery is probably out the door as well. Exactly. And, uh, 
And so that's what you know. There are all these stories about painkillers and all that, and it's like, well, the, he legitimately needed the painkillers, I'm sure. But probably did you know? I don't have enough. I need more. I need more. I need more. And then, because that's how painkillers work. Yeah, sure. you kind of build up a tolerance. So, um, well, dude, it was great. This is gonna be the first episode. I um, thanks once again for doing this. I'm. I know you worked all day. Then he had the kids. He had the wife. He had the whole nine yards, and he made time to do this. And, uh, dude, I love you to death, man. You're like my brother. And same here. We'll we'll uh, we'll do it again. Like, and during I mean, we have a schedule, but at any other time, if you have an idea or just want to talk and go, we fucking I have this thing, and we we should do it after you see Civil War. Yes. You're seeing? Are you seeing that Thursday? I am seeing it Thursday. Do you have Friday uh, off? Forty-eight hours from now, I will be about a half hour into the movie. Awesome. Now you have Friday off work. I have Friday off work. Okay, I get off work Friday, um, eight o'clock your time, six o'clock my time, because I work. I get off work at six in the morning on Friday, and I go back to work at six at night Friday. Okay. I kind of have this like hor- like I spent all day sleeping yesterday, and then I woke up at like one thirty in the morning, and I've kind of I took a nap earlier, but other than that, I've pretty much been going because my wow. job sucks. So, <laughs> well, no, that's perfect because Friday morning, uh, we're down to one. We're a one-car family now, so there's. It takes some effort to get everybody where they need to go, but I still have to get up. So once I've got everyone delivered where they need to be, we'll probably be right around the time you're getting home from work. Cool. So I get home from work, shoot it right around. I I can, I can make it home in fifteen minutes. Depends on traffic. Also, oh, it's 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 not that tight. I also drive time. a really fast car. Yes, but, uh, but um, I'll, see, we could say like nine o'clock, uh, nine New o'clock. York time, seven yeah. o'clock. Shoot That's me a text, perfect. then we'll uh, we'll do that. I'm going to stop the recording here, but we can keep talking. And uh, that was episode one, and this is Leonard Cho, and he speaks. Yeah. And stop. Where's the stop button? Stop it.